Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 91 of the Greenlight Podcast. Greetings from uh, my basement, Trumbull, Connecticut, um, home of the, the original basement, the, the original basement, home like, of the where it all started, the 1989 Trumbull Little League World Series, who had like two hockey players on him. I always forget their name. Chris Drury. Is that one? He's a hockey player. No, I heard that it's it's a legendary team. It's a legendary Apparently. team. Apparently. I, I should know like the entire roster. But anyway, um, back in Connecticut for some Turkey Day. We have not recorded since the preview. So we have a lot to cover. Basically, um, going to go through Big East, Big Ten, obviously Duke, UVA. Um, and then Ian and I kind of picked four different teams to review. Before all that, Ian and I were together this week. We got to see Chappelle. Um, should probably just record a completely separate episode all about David Chappelle. Seriously. But, um, we got to talking about the concept of teams having a system. And people love to point out, hence my hat today, wore that on purpose, um, the Patriots system or Duke's system or UVA. I mean, you guys have a system. Like you guys have yeah. a defensive system that you stick to. You have an offensive system that you stick to. And we got to talking like, for whatever the reason, certain programs or even professional teams get criticized or like not taken seriously or players don't get taken seriously because of the system that they're in. And I think this all started because my friend group was arguing about is Mac Jones good or is he just a system quarterback? Um, I think we've proven. And I mean, if you're still doubting Tom Brady at this point, like good for you, you know, you're just really hanging on that because he's now left done a completely different system and he won a Super Bowl. So he broke, he broke all that, the narrative, at least with, at least him personally, because there are a lot of people that doubted like him being successful outside of Belichick, the system. But so this is not an argument based on the Patriots don't have it. They obviously do. It's been pretty successful. I'm pretty happy, pretty, pretty big fan of their system. My confusion with everyone's argument about this word is that are you not aware that every single team has a system? The Jets have a system. The Giants have a system. They just suck. They're not executing their system well, right? So everyone has one. All these teams are trying to implement it and execute it. You're not just doing it well. So I'm so confused when all these people are like, oh, it's just, that's just the system. That's what do you think Syracuse has? They've been playing zone for 35 years. That's a system. Okay. That's a system of of systems in in college basketball, at least. I don't, I I don't understand it. It's just this like weird thing where people like just throw that out there. It's like, oh yeah, it's just a UNC has a system. All right. Like they run. Okay. They, they get, get out in transition. They go, oh, yep. Like, I don't understand it where it's basically, it's almost become this like negative thing. Like, oh yeah. Like Mac, he, Mac Jones is just a benefit of the system. It's like, no man, like not every quarterback would do well there. Like that's, I'm sorry. Not every quarterback yeah. would do well. You have to get someone that fits. Sure. 
but it's just, I don't know, man. It's I, like, we went on, we went on and on this week about it. And I was just like, dude, what, do people not realize this? Everyone's trying to implement their thing. And I think we have probably a different, a, a different take on it just because college basketball, maybe I guess you could say college football, but I I'd say college basketball, probably of any sport professional or college has the most variety in terms of kind of how the game can be played. How many different types of offenses? How do you play? How many different variations of defense? I'm not just obviously man and zone and playing that, but how are you, how are you guarding ball screens? How are you trapping in the post? Like there's so many different variations and these teams have these fundamentals that a lot of times it carry with the coach, but then there's also like, look at like Bob Huggins when they turned into press Virginia, that was not like a Bob Huggins staple before. And then now that kind of, at least for a little bit, that turned into West Virginia's system. I think the, the narrative that that drives me crazy. And and honestly, especially because uh, hearing so much about Virginia's system and all they want to do is slow it down. And that's, that's a whole nother argument for another day. And that I honestly don't even get into but saying that players are not going to be good at the next level or in other situations because they're a product of the system. Yeah. I mean, just using Virginia, for example, I mean, Joe Harris, crazy. Another stat, we'll throw out a stat here. Nets all-time three-point leader. Yeah, By a mile out. So like Joe Harris, obviously he's been a staple and there's been some bad teams. Now he's on the good teams, but is the all-time three-point leader in New Jersey, Brooklyn, Nets, Long Island, all those different places they've been, Nets history. Um, Joe Harris is a guy that averaged like 12 points a game his senior year at Virginia. Obviously, that was his numbers are diminished because they play at a certain tempo and they play. It's, it's, it's not just, hey, let's give Joe Harris the ball. But does that mean because he played in that system and he was good at certain, had certain skill sets, was good at certain things, that he was not going to be an effective pro? No. And, and same with Malcolm Brogdon. Literally stepped in as rookie of the year. His rookie year. They've got. Yeah, I, um, I just don't get DeAndre it. Hunter, Ty Jerome. Like they've had all these. Like Virginia, you could say before Tony Bennett, and only he's all, all Virginia. Before Tony Bennett with Dave Lado and Pete Gillen, like in terms of systems, it was just kind of like a yeah, run out. Like it was your generic basketball team, and they didn't really have that many pros. I mean, like growing up, like I Sean Singletary is my favorite player. Sean made it like two years in the league. Now, like, all right, Virginia's a system where everyone says, oh, these guys, they just, they fit Tony's system. Like Ty Jerome's wouldn't be that good if he played X, Y, Z. All these guys are, are, are doing pretty well in the league or, or making Mike Scott even. Like Mike Scott, you don't think of like, when you think Virginia basketball, you think like, you know, there's like, Mike Scott's like a stretch four or three and go inside out. It's probably not the best defensive player, but like he played in that system. He had skills that worked and it translates. So it, you, you can't, well, I do think there are people that probably, you can maximize skill sets within certain styles of play. That doesn't make a player or make make a program or a team at, at any level, personally. Yeah. Well, that, that was our opening rant of the day. I don't know how – I'm the whole time I was trying to remember, like, how we got on this, I think it was about fantasy football, and then it, like, got to the Patriots, and then it was like, wait a minute. Like, what do you think all the teams that they play against are trying to do? Like, they're trying to run their shit. Like it's not working. You're not doing a good job. So I don't the know. Bucks were running the same. The Bucks were running the same system they are now with Jameis Winston. The difference is you go from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady, yeah. and you have an uptick in results. Like it's, it's just it's, I don't get it. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's go over you know our squads. Uh, Duke having a slightly better uh, start to the year on the court, off the court, so. uh, maybe not so much, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't even had one since Duke, Kentucky, which was an awesome game. 
Um, you know what's funny that the whole time I was thinking about this is like this is how basic college basketball is compared to the NBA. And don't get me wrong, like obviously I'm a big Paolo guy. I think he's going to be great at the next level. But when you break down what he's done so far, he's really just mastered the mid-range jab step pull. And like because he's 6'10, you can't figure it out. Like he hit a bunch of mid-range jumpers against Kentucky, and then he continued to do that at home against some of the lesser opponents like Lafayette and all them. But like he he's not doing much in in terms of like crazy impressive things. Like it's hard to compare to Zion, right? Zion was a different beast. But I think because, like, that's just not the norm, like, just to have a 6'10 dude be able to do that from 15 to 18 feet. Like, so I just kept hearing over and over, like, of course, like, people are, like, drooling all over this kid because he can hit an 18-footer. But, like, in the NBA, that's just so normal. But in college, you see it, and you're like, oh, my God, like, this kid's unbelievable. But when you, like, think about what he's doing, you're like, all right. I mean, he jabbed and then hit a couple of jumpers pump fake get by like don't get me wrong he's fantastic but it was just funny to hear like he's a ma- he's a major matchup problem he's a 100 100 percent. i is. just i just didn't he's think- a major major matchup problem because of that flexibility yeah yeah i just didn't think it was like mind-blowing stuff you know what i mean it was like fundamentals you know for the most part so my question for you with duke and it seems like they've picked up a lot better and now i don't know how much stake you can put into playing campbell gardner webb lafayette even even army but um how much does this team well how far will this team go if they are not able to effectively shoot threes very well because that kentucky game not that it's a fall i mean they the crazy the thing that i walked away from that game was yeah kentucky or duke won and they look like the better team and they went one for 13 from three. Why? And now, like, Keels has been shooting better. I and mean, he's like, well, actually, better. He, I think he is the, he might be their best. Shooter. He and Wendell are definitely going to be the shooters. Yep. But are, is that, is, if you have any concerns about Duke, is that the number one concern or, or is it defense? What, what, what is the biggest, no, uh, I guess, linchpin to success for them? Their defense has been solid. They haven't uh, given up a t- uh, 40% field goal percentage to any team this year. Um, they've been keeping the three-point percentage down. It's rebounding. They don't rebound the ball, which is insane yeah. because they have Mark Williams and Theo John. But when you break it down, those two never play together. So one of them is in the other two. Like they got um, – I never can pronounce his name right, but the dude, the West Virginia transfer that went to Kentucky. Oh, Toshiba. To, uh, to Toshiba, yeah. I just call him Oscar. Oscar, Toshiba. Oscar, yeah. yeah. Um, it was an absolute animal. He put he put up his stats the other night and said, "I thought they like accidentally like duplicated." It said like eighteen point one points a game, eighteen point three rebounds per game. I'm like this dude's averaging eighteen and eighteen going he into is, Friday night. And then yeah, by the way, quick aside: Have you did you see the Huggins Calipari beef? Did not know. So Huggins came out and had like a offhanded jab about Oscar, saying like he doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. And huh. Calipari responded, I think yesterday, saying um yeah that's not true like he can't be true look at his numbers and then also like you should have figured this out but he can shoot it a little bit so like jab right back at hugging wow yeah it was pretty good but anyway wow. no like dude it's re- it's defensive rebounding for duke um they don't rebound it well which is weird because they have big guards and Paolo's a big guard but Paolo, i like that's gonna be his thing like he doesn't so far 
doesn't really show much initiative for wanting to go get the rebound. Like he just wants the ball once they get it. Um, but yeah. back to Trevor. Yeah, no, the three point shooting isn't there yet, but like when I can't wait to play this all year long, like I'm going to clip it up after this, it's the Roach and Wendell show. Duke will go as far as they go. If Roach and Wendell are good, nothing else matters. Truly like 100%. then, cause then random play, look at AJ Griffin at 18 points last night. He, his three point stroke, he was like, two for four, three for five from three, like played really well. If Joey Baker can be consistent, if Trevor shoots 38%, like they'll be okay. But if Roach and Wendell struggle, this team won't go anywhere. So I'm, that's where I'm at with them. And they get a big, they have two big, big tests coming up. Obviously Gonzaga um, in Vegas, I think. And then I'll be at Columbus uh, for Ohio state um, November 30th. And right now, and, and the thing that's interesting, and I've got Ken Palm pulled up, and I, it's some, I love this early. Now that we've gotten a little bit of a sample size, especially, I, I don't put, obviously, faith into all these metrics. But the thing that's interesting to me is right now, Duke is 210, so bottom half of the country in bench minutes. And you would think that's probably only going to get even small. I think Duke is probably that's actually tighten that rotation a little bit more. So the fact that you, what you said there of Roach, and Wendell being those yeah. pins. Now, obviously, Trevor Keels, it really hurts me a lot watching this because I knew he – it came down to basically Virginia and Duke, and I think Villanova was in his final three too. Right before the pandemic, he took – I believe it was his official or his unofficial when Virginia beat Duke um, two years ago, right before the pandemic. And I remember thinking at that time, like, all the predictions, everyone felt good about him going to Virginia. Everything gets pushed back a lot. And he's an absolute stud. I don't think that people realized coming in, like obviously all the focus has been on Paolo, but how how key that Trevor Keels is going to be. Um, now he's going to have to continue to shoot it, um, especially if, if they're not getting from other places. But you're 100% right. And then the other last metric I was going to bring up, if you look at their point distribution right now, they are 55th. And so 57.8% of their, of their points come from twos. So that's 55th in the country. So pretty high. They're, they're getting the ball in the paint. They're scoring a lot. You're, obviously, that. you're seeing those mid-range jumpers. Um, they are 197. They're so 30.1% are coming from threes. So 197. So they're back third of the country. They're not getting a, a ton from that, which hopefully you're saying if you can improve it, that, that's an area to, to get better in. But then the crazy thing that stands out to me that I think, especially as you keep ha- with the physicality that Duke can play with, with Keels and Paolo and, and, and even Wendell, when he decides to be assertive, is they are only 12% of their points are coming from free throws. There's 330th in, in the country. Um, the, the national average is 18%. So if they can, I think I there's a lot of points even that. to be had yeah, that they can, they can get to the line. And now, obviously, like, obviously, they have to, they still have to shoot the ball well, but like they are in terms of, and, and they're not fouling. They're second in the country, Paul, in free throw attempts to field goal attempts defensively. So they're, they're not fouling. They're not getting the line themselves. No, yeah, the I don't know if this is part of the Coach K retirement tour that the refs are scared to blow their whistles either way. But they're like, I think looking at Duke objectively, where I think there's the lack of scoring maybe from, from three, there's still a lot they can make up, I think, in getting to the foul line, especially with the type of personnel they have. Yeah, 100%. Um, Gonzaga is the big test. I mean, Gonzaga yeah, right Gonzaga, now. Gonzaga yeah. and, and even Ohio and, and Ohio State, too. I mean, that's right Those now that's 80 teams. to 74. And where is that game against Gonzaga? Do we know? It's in um, Vegas, I'm pretty sure. In Vegas. All right. Yeah. Because so we'll see. 
Support for the Greenlight Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code GREENLIGHT at manscaped.com. Listen, fellas, we've all been there. We've tried to trim down there using a million different things. Stop it. Go with Manscaped. It's the easiest one. Your balls will thank you. Again, 20% off, free shipping with the code GREENLIGHT at manscaped.com. Um, all right, let's go to Virginia, man. How are we feeling? We obviously watched most of the um, – shit, who would you guys lose to when we were together? Oh, Houston. Well, we've, lost a, we've, lost a, we've lost twice already. Uh, I'm say did we watch Houston? In, I mean, uh, yeah, we did watch Houston. Um, yeah. That was the game Tuesday night. Um, so they, they started the season. They lost the Navy, um, that which was, was not that was tough. less than ideal. Um, obviously, there's a lot of new pieces. They beat Radford 73-52. to 52. They lose to Houston by 20. And they beat Coppin State by 60, by 16. Now they go, they, they have coming up, they've got Georgia on, in, in a neutral site. And I believe it's, and they're playing, um, it, it's NT, so there'll be another team. Well, no, before then they've, it's part of that oh, Georgia, Georgia event Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure who that, who that will, will be. Um, they get Iowa for the AC big 10. Um, and then honestly, like, and they go Pittsburgh at James Madison, which will hopefully be in the building for, and then fairly Dickinson before ACC play. When I talk about three-point shooting and I talk about just shooting in general, like they have to get better. And I don't know how they can. I don't know if they have that personnel. Like right now, um, Jaden Gardner, the ECU transfer, has been very good. He's been very different from any other outside of since dating back to um, if you, you, you really for kind of a back to the basket big, you've got to go back to like Anthony Gill with Brogdon, like to have that type of player. Cause like, it's not a, a Diakite is rangy and he's not, he wasn't a back to the basket guy, even Jack salt, like Jack salt wasn't even any offensive threat. So it's a very different type of the offense. And as defense is key in on Gardner, he's got to be able to kick out now, like Armand Franklin, the IU transfer, he's a couple of those games. He's been there. He's been good. Beekman has to be confident. And they've got a lot of guys in the Coracle and Statman and Murray that like just haven't played and haven't had minutes. And I think too, I mean, you, the stress that Tony puts defensively on these guys, like it's almost almost like the Casey Morsell effect where so much you're so focused on defense and so focused on, all right, should I be taking this shot that you're not playing with that confidence of, Hey, I'm in, I'm in the right spot. I'm taking this. Like you're almost second guessing yourself. So I, I, I mean, it tempered my expectations with them, but it's here's my part thing. of it. It's early season. Yeah, here's my thing with Virginia, and I'm going to say the exact same thing about Syracuse when we go through our four teams that we want to cover. Is I how many times are we going to do this? Like, I'm not saying Virginia has struggled every season in the last five years. Like, they have not. But like the seasons that they have early on, they figure it out by the end of the year. Like Syracuse is very similar. How many times has Syracuse? just not deserve to be on the bubble, be on the bubble, get in the tournament and make a elite eight run. Like those teams with those coaches figure it out in the end. So I, I'm never, right. dude, we haven't even gotten to January. What? Like there's nothing to talk. No. So right. now, but there are concerns. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, like, I mean, you were talking about how uh, the UVA fan base was trying to not have Kihei come back, which is insane. Or like not wanting to be the starter next year. 
I would like to clip this. Yeah. I hate the UVA basketball fan base. I absolutely hate it. And it's only gotten worse since they won the national championship. And I love UVA. Obviously, my heart is Ohio. No matter what, everyone knows I cheer for Ohio. I drove to Indiana to cheer for Ohio over Virginia. But outside of that, the problem is, and this is, I'm glad that I'm given the chance to say this now because I've said to multiple people, just because you have an intelligent basketball coach doesn't mean that as a fan, you are automatically an intelligent basketball fan. That is what's going on with Virginia basketball right now because they think because Tony is so well-respected, Tony has figured this out that, oh, because I watch a brand of basketball where he's a good coach, that I know that Kihei Clark shouldn't be the point guard anymore, even though he was a starting freshman on a national championship team. I know that we need to be mixing ball screens in. It drives me insane, and honestly, I've had to mute like multiple keywords, and, and I usually I try not to even on look Twitter? at Twitter. You've gotten to that point I, with it? I asked, I've unfollowed a lot just because wow. in terms of Virginia basketball, because it's, it's one of those, it's, it's overreaction central and it's same with, honestly, it's same with football. Like I'm, I'm the same. I, it, it, I know the reason why I'm so confident in this take is because Virginia fans also, because Tony Bennett's a smart football coach and he does a little bit differently. He's humble. He's quiet. They think that Bronco Mendenhall on the football side is the football version of Tony Bennett. He's just not, I mean, they, 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 it's, you, they, their mind is warped because they've been given this gift of Tony Bennett that we haven't had a good basketball team in years. And they just automatically it's maybe it's just the Virginia elitist way. I mean, I'm just going in on my team right now. This is, we're going a little, here's, here's, here's my, this is, this is, this is my inner feelings. Like I've said this for years. And even when they were good, even the UMBC year, when they were like mowing through everybody, every, all the, the fan base thinks they're so much smarter where it jumps the shark is then when those fans now think they're smarter than Tony and the coaching staff and they've figured out what's wrong, that's when it gets frustrating. So maybe that's why I'm just frustrated with the first like few games. Like you're right. I think they will figure it out. Um, but it, it's, it's a frustrating part. It's, I mean, maybe it's just a product of society at this here's, point that everyone has to voice their opinions, but yeah, hundred percent. Here's, here's my advice coming from, um, I don't know if anyone's had it better than me in my 32 years of life as a Patriots and a Duke fan. I truly don't. Um, that's a, that's probably a whole nother pot. Like who has had it better than a, being a Patriots and a Duke fan? I don't know. Maybe Carolina. I don't know. But anyway, um, the only thing that you're allowed, like when you have a Belichick or a Shashevsky or now I'm not saying Bennett's up there yet, but if he stays another no. 15 years at Virginia, he will be. He will be one of those places. That'd, that'd be 25 years at one place. Like, yeah. I have all, I, I will never doubt him. Like, unless they start, unless he, they're the, the here's unless the only something thing. like bottomed out and like. He, here's he the only 15, thing. 20 years of respect. Here's the only thing that you're allowed to criticize from my vantage point. Um, never recruiting. I've never, I've never done that. Except um, with the argument, with the argument from like 07 until from 07 to 10 was like, those are like the dark days of Duke basketball. We were getting bad, bad recruits. Then he was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to fuck around and start getting all these dudes with Kyrie being the first one. And then it shifted. You can't touch recruiting. You can't touch, but in, and if you're talking professional sports, drafting, like you don't know enough. You're not in the rooms. You don't know enough. You can't criticize that. The only thing, and when I say criticize, I truly mean like criticize and then comma, but I trust you. So like the only thing that I've done over the, forever, my fandom as, as um, a Duke fan has been, he's just stubborn, you know, like, Hey man, like yeah. could we shift, could we like do something else in game? Yep. I think to me, that's the only thing you can criticize is in game adjustments. 
Everything right. else is like, no, no, you're the director of the ship and you know more because you're there every single day. And there's nothing I'm saying. That's it. But like, hey, maybe we should have gone zone or maybe we could have done this or could we play this guy more? Like, that's fair game. But it's always right. with the caveat of like, yeah, but you're the goat. So, you know, like. Yeah, you're 100% right. And and that's the thing. And I and it's even harder, I think, to criticize Tony for that because he is a guy that did have to shift. Like, and this almost got him over the hump is mixing in more ball screens for Ty Jerome and getting mm -hmm. more space for Kyle Guy and DeAndre to work and putting putting a guy like Diakite up there where he can be a threat. And, and, and they've done that. He did like probably his first seven, eight years, like it was strictly mover blocker. And the problem with mover blocker that is sucks. if you don't have guys, if you don't have guys that like when it breaks, if you're, if you're moving and you're moving, you're moving and it shuts down, you can't create, then yeah, you have Kihei Clark with an ISO with like seven seconds left. So you have to get more flexible. The problem is if you have a young team on an inexperienced team like this, the core is still going to be mover blocker, at least offensively. Same with the pack line and that stuff. So if, I don't think you're Tony's not going to add a wrinkle in, nor necessarily should he, if he doesn't think that at least those initial principles. Now, is it flexibility in there? I mean, yeah, we ju I just started off talking about how they now finally have like a back to the basket score for the first time in like six, seven years. And it's a different type of offense and different flow. Um, the only two things I'll end on this that I think is very uncharacteristic of these teams. If you think about Virginia, one thing they don't turn the ball over and and obviously they and they play great defense but where and so the two things that can really go awry like i, I remember those the duke game in i guess 2018 um or no it would have been 2019 um and even the tyus jones they would get out and transition and get easy but turn virginia over and get out right now virginia is 344th offensively and off and negatively or i say in steal percentage so they're getting the ball stolen. The average team is 9.6% of the time. Almost 15% of the time, Virginia's having the ball stolen. So they're turning the ball over at a massive clip. Uh, 244th. And that's what I'm saying. Like, those things are and all... That's, that can be corrected. Yeah. The other part is, too, and you have three-point defense, which, to a degree, like, you can scheme, you can do... and, and it, But it is their kryptonite no matter what. Teams are shooting 38.9% from three against them. So the average is 32.9%. So, yeah, can you, like... Part of that can be fi fixed. I mean, it's how you're closing out. It's getting more comfortable in the pack line, where where guys are jumping to. And I think it will. But if you actually look at this and you look at the metrics and you, you kind of dive into, all right, what are the issues it, outside of just inexperience and not having some of the personnel that we it's fixable. That they normally do? Like you don't even – and you don't have a Sam Hauser or a Jay Huff to bail you out at the end of the shot clock. Like you don't have that. But the two major things that are – key on Virginia being successful is protecting those possessions and then making it hard. And now teams are going to get hot on any given night, but if you're letting teams shoot 40% from three, when you're yeah. packing it in, it's, it's, it makes for a long time. So I still trust Tony and I'm still okay. going to continue to, uh, to, to, to try and remove myself from the, the, the Virginia fan base. Yep. Um, all right, let's get into our four school teams that we're going to cover um, today. I want to start with Purdue, um, especially because they just beat Ooh. Carolina in Connecticut, which was awesome. So they have fun wins. So, yeah, fun one to watch. They have wins against Bellarmine, Indiana State, Wright State, and then UNC yesterday. And then they play Villanova today. So, like, we're really going to get a good test for Purdue. Um, but there was a stretch in the Carolina game where it was 65-65, um, UNC, I can't remember the player who missed the three, 
And then Jaden Ivey took over. It was like four straight possessions where he was Snap either. Snap of a finger, just bang. Like Yeah, he was off. either assisting or he scored. I think the last possession was his and one. Um, yep. But, man, is he crazy good. And, like, now all these the clips and, like, quotes are coming out of, like, you know, what he did over the last eight months to get better and how Painter is such a fan and all that stuff. Um, one of the crazier stats that I uh, read was um, Stefan uh, – how do I pronounce his name? It's like Ivanovich. I, that's what I always put. Stefanovich. Steph- Stefanovich, uh, yeah. Stefanovich, yeah. Um, he had 16. Ivy had 22. And then Travion Williams had 20. And then the stat is the last time three Purdue <laughs> players put up 20 apiece was 24 years ago to the day. 97. Isn't that insane? It is nuts. And can we throw in another point to that too? Trevion Williams had 20 in 13 minutes on the floor. Yeah. 13 okay, minutes. So- so I don't know if you caught this too. I was listening to Painter afterwards. And um, so Trevion's not starting and he had this, he was talking about how he's never had a player that can start a game so poorly, like for whatever the reason he doesn't play well in the beginning, but then he says in the second half, he's like the best player in the country, which is just like a weird thing to have like a player be that good and be that bad to start. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what that's crazy. Go. Going into the season, I think if you mentioned Purdue and you're saying, like, say you had a little paragraph bio, maybe probably the first name that I think maybe even comes up is Travion Williams, like, 100%. which is why it's it's interesting now that obviously he's coming off the bench. And and I don't know, this is an interesting question for you. I mean, if you're a Purdue fan, has Matt Painter? Do you have all the trust in Matt Painter that whatever he's doing? Like, I guess like after yesterday, you can't. Dude. That's one where it, 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 I'm all I played golf with I'm a Purdue fan a couple weeks ago. Are you? Because oh, I, I I played with a Purdue alum two two weeks ago who said, "Yeah, I just I we we've we've had the horses before. I I just don't trust them to get us to the finish line." And I'm like, "Listen, I, I get that." Two things. This is what we always say: Who are you getting? Who are you getting that's better than Matt Painter? And if you can get someone that's better, because that list is very short. I don't know if there's 10 coaches in the country better than Matt Painter. So if you can find nine that are better and you're going to fire him and get him, fine. Secondly, Purdue has no business going to the final four every year. Zero business. Maybe not even the elite eight every single year. It goes back to expectations. Does, should yeah. Purdue be in the elite eight every year? I say no. no. I say no. I think they're, uh, I think sweet 16 every other year. Definitely. I mean, they've had the thing, I guess, sure. is because once again, expectations the teams they have had I mean they've had a lot of talent like honestly if it wasn't for one of the most miracle shots like in 19 like Carson Edwards is single-handedly almost taking them to the uh to the final four um but like what like okay so it's right now it's yeah it's just when I think the fan base is like all right why is Travion coming off the bench now well there's because they have yeah you're right yeah dude I don't know man I'm I'm so team Matt Painter like I so and yeah, they're I, awesome. I mean, do you do you feel now that you we've seen them, they're four and zero, and obviously I said we're going to get even more against them. Yeah. Do you and we previewed the kind of the Big Ten, and we talked about Michigan, Illinois. Do you feel like better? Where I don't say better, worse. How how have your thoughts overall? Like, do you think Purdue can be a legit Final Four team? Do you think they should be the favorite now to win the win the Big Ten? What or, or are you still? I, I think they're I think they're the I think they're the favorite them in Michigan for sure. Um, even though Michigan, they lost to Seton Hall, 
Um, but Seton Hall's good. I think they were underrated coming into the year. But going back, okay, so the big, the, we still want to talk about the Big East like dismantling the Big Ten in the, is it the Gabbitt games tip off? I think yeah, it was the Gabbitt games. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, Xavier dismantles Ohio State. Not dismantles, that's not fair. Beats Ohio State, but Ohio State, I don't think is good. I think they're going to fall out of the top 25 at some point here soon. I don't like their back. You court. haven't believed in them even since, yeah. And I, I they, they haven't been as impressive. No, I mean they almost. I mean they're they're Liddell's going to have to do way too much. Kyle Young is not that you can't put too much on Kyle Young, um, and yeah, they're just young, you know. Like they lost a lot of their shooting. I just don't think they're all that good. Um, and then Illinois loses, and Corbello has like an absolute <laughs> meltdown of a game. I mean, Kofi's going to be Kofi, but he's still is he's back now, right? He suspended. He he served his suspension. Yeah. He's he's yeah. He, <laughs> So he'll, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, are, is it too, are we overreacting? Illinois is the number one defense in the country, according to Kim Palm right now. It's not crazy to think about. Crazy. Um, and it, yeah, it will be interesting to see. They play, uh, they play Cincinnati next. Illinois does. Um, That'll be on Monday. Um, neutral court. I'm, probably, I'm sure that's probably part of another MTE and they'll probably play another. I mean, today, well, today's going to tell, right? Villanova, Purdue, yeah. like this is going to yeah. be an unbelievable test for them. So we'll see. Definitely. But, Anyway, that's my Illinois off like Illinois. Once again, you think of Illinois as an offensive team, like especially like recently with IO and Kofi and Curbelo and the, the guys that they have had. And right now, you're talk, once again, I'm looking at their numbers. The red that stands out turnover percentage, 342nd in the country in turnover percentage. They are the what third, fourth worst team in the country, or well, top, I said bottom 15 in the country in turning the ball over, like things that can't be fixed. Now they're making up for that. They're the second best offensive rebounding team in the country. They're often they're rebounding forty eight point four percent of off and offensively um, of, of shots are up there. But I, but and then their defense is better. So I think it's almost one of those uh, regression to the mean type situations where I think maybe they're, they're I think they're not as bad as the as people maybe are overacting to because they lost to Marquette and. I was going to say, um, is anybody like is, the ball time, but. is any new coach having a better start to the year than Shaka and Marquette? I mean, and they're playing real defense. Where is Marquette? They are on all this. Um, uh, let's pull and, up Marquette right now. They are crazy thing is the metrics don't have them very good. Uh, they're only seventy first defensively. Yeah. Um, they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, and they also give up a lot of threes. Um, mm. But they're playing offensive. This is what's honestly is some of the most interesting. One of the most interesting things I've seen, their average possession length offensively, um, 13.7. So they have the third fastest uh, offensive possession length in the entire country. We have 350 teams. Now, defensively, they have the 323rd, so 18.5. So they are moving on offense, and they're sitting down and absolutely grinding on defense. So yeah. 13.7 compared to 18.5. So they are – now and they played. They played SIU, Edwardsville, New Hampshire. They beat Illinois at home, um, and then on neutral court they just beat Ole Miss and they beat West Virginia. Now they play Sunday, or I guess yeah, today they play St. Bonaventure, uh, which will be That'll another be really tough task. Um, and then they'll play Wisconsin on the road at the beginning of uh, of, of December. And then they also they get man, they've credit to shot. Well, I, I guess this is Wojo. Maybe the schedule. They're playing. Uh, they, they get UCLA in um on december 11th too at home um so they've built a and, and obviously playing in the in the big east like they've built a, a resume worthy schedule of of 
putting themselves in a position to at least at, at the end of the year, like, yeah, these guys scheduled hard. Like it could be the difference between a five seed and a six seed or a four seed and a five seed, whatever it may be. I don't know where they're going to end up. Not saying they're that good, but I mean, Illinois right now is sixth in the Kempom rankings. St. Bonaventure's 30th. They're going to play Wisconsin non-conference is 43rd and UCLA seventh. So like credit to them for testing. They've, 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 uh, they've passed the test so far. Yep. Um, you want to go your team first? Yeah. Um, the one team that I want to bring up, obviously, I think it is, um, <laughs> obviously we, I don't think we could go a pod without talking about them, um, is, is Gonzaga and, and how they've looked. And we, I think I, there was no game that I was looking forward to more in the first week or so than Gonzaga, Texas. Um, Can and, we talk and, about the times I haven't seen, I didn't, yeah. watch, I did not watch the UCLA game. I didn't watch the. I didn't even watch that game. It started at eleven. It was eleven thirty. That that and and I know it's, it's obviously all for TV and it's all that. And I get like, it's weird because if I was at, it's, it, we are now as we've talked about this as well. We're in stage of our life. Like, I'm hanging at home watching. Like, I'm not out the bars. Just like you know, if if you are like. If we were in college or right out of college, it's like yeah, you're staying out till two in the morning. It's like, all right, that's that's perfect, great. Like I'm, I, I'm locked in. But like, if I'm, I, I feel like I'm laboring through watching watching games to get to the marquee game. It's tough. Um, I was like, I was in Oklahoma when this happened, so at least had an hour. You had an hour um, on Gonzaga Tech, so so I watched that. Um, but yeah, it, it's all a TV thing, and um, and the other thing you got to think about too, like if we want West Coast basketball to be in the primetime again, like not not saying that the entire schedule should be shifted around, but like LA traffic and all that is so bad. Like to have say UCLA tip off at say it was a say even eight 30. That means that's five 30 local tip. And you've got fans that are trying playing to get through there. Noon. If you want Polly to be rocking. Yeah. Noon, it's two, just tough. Yeah. That's it. Something like that. But if you want Polly to be rocking and like they, they want it to be, they want home night games. They want their students to be ramped up um it, it does make it tougher but um what do you think about Gonzaga? drew timmy is front runner national player of the year i mean we i, I i've been i i, I want to say i've i've been on the timmy train longer than anybody but the um he he just came out and you could just tell that they did texas didn't have an answer for him i mean they we talked about texas brought in all these pieces um and, and there's a lot there i mean he he gets to his spots. He has so much touch. His footwork is absolutely unbelievable. Um, I mean, I thought he honestly could have even done more. My takeaway from that, I mean, Gonzaga, once again, like now they, they've played Texas. They get UCLA and Duke coming up. So that's this is going to be an awesome, early. awesome week. You get UCLA and Duke in the same week. East then East. week after, then they're getting, they're getting Alabama um, as well. Um, and they'll also get Texas Tech. Uh, which uh, not saying that's, that's great, but they'll get Texas Tech. Like, I mean, how much more? Once again, because we already know they're going to roll through the uh, we're going to roll through the the WCC schedule. Like, they're putting these test games out here early now. Texas in their what second game with all those new pieces, I don't think is, is great. But I mean, they are right now they're the number one offense, they're the 12th best defense. Um, Timmy is just uh, right now is. And Chet really, the crazy thing is Chet really hasn't had to do anything. Chet had, I think, two points against Texas. It, yeah. it is absolutely unbelievable. But Timmy in his four games, like they played Dixie State. Yeah, he only had 11. But he had 37 against Texas. He had 10 against Alcorn State. And then he just had 28 yeah. against Bellarmine. 
Um, he's getting to the free throw line. He's getting that. Like he is, and it goes back though. I, I, I don't think, I don't think we're there yet because I don't think if they were on national TV as much as Duke was like throughout the year, we might get to Drew Timmy going like complete heel people hating him. But when I knew it was on, it was he, I don't remember who it was for Texas. He takes him on the block, puts him in the bucket. And then he does the point, puts his hand to the ground. He's like, he's too little. Too small. This dude is an absolute savage. And he also came out this way. They said, and he, the dude's playing in Washington, all the Gonzaga fans for the most part, they're Seahawks fans recently. He go, he, this week he even had a quote. He's like, yeah, all I care about is the Cowboys. No one likes the Seahawks anyways. Like he's literally going heel on his you know, own. Yeah. Band. Could you imagine and, if he didn't play at Gonzaga? Even if he played at like, I mean, he would be more hated if he played at Carolina. If he played if he anywhere played. else. It, yeah. I mean, he is, he has that like, and he doesn't care. And it's awesome to watch. I mean, I, I'm still, like I said, they, they, the biggest thing, and we said going into this, I think personally, what I, my biggest thing with uh, Gonzaga coming in was, um, is Nimhard going to be able to pick up kind of where, more that the slack from where where Jalen's where they're losing from Jalen Suggs, yeah. um, and, and he has. I mean, he's had. I'm looking at point wise. He's he hasn't scored a ton, um, but yeah, seven says four says eight says he's he's a calm. He kind of moves the ball around. And he's been good. Um, so I, I really like Gonzaga, and and I think it's no doubt. I think in my mind that Drew Timmy is once again is going to be um, is going to be front runner so far for for National Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, Ironically, EJ Liddell is the only player in front of him on Ken Palm's Player of the Year standings right now. That can't be real. It's real. 1.727. Drew Timmy, 1.720. And then there's a big drop off, then 1.58 for Keegan Murray at Iowa. So, I mean, this well, that is. Just, yeah, no, I, that makes no sense to me. But it's anyway. off, but it's crazy that EJ Liddell is putting up numbers that. Oh, just going to. Yeah, like he has to do everything, man. He has to do everything. Yep. Too much. He's got to score. He's got to defend. He's got to block shots. He's got to rebound. It's like, yep. dude, like he's going to be exhausted by the time they get to Big Ten. Um, okay, the last What's team I wanted, squad? yeah, the last team I wanted to talk about was uh, Syracuse. Obviously, um, losing at home to Colgate is not necessarily uh, something they saw in the cards. I thought um, the scary, this the the alarming part was it looked like they just weren't trying all that hard, which is like that's just not a good sign. The what I'll say is positive is like, yo, it's early. The zone never looks good early. You have new players trying to figure it out. You don't understand the rotations. They did not rebound well out of it. They got out rebounded by 10. I think it was seven on the offensive side. So like they got out rebounded and Colgate has like one really big dude. And like, other than that, like Syracuse is bigger than them. So that was concerning. They didn't shoot it well. Um, But again, like, I wouldn't want to be at practice the next couple of days. Beheim is going to like get in their ass. Like it'll be fine. It's one of those things where a uh, same with Virginia, like you give the system time to get there. Like their, their shooting will increase their defense will get better and they'll kind of revert back to the mean a little bit, but yeah. to, you know, it's just never a good look, obviously to lose the Colts. And the thing is like Joe, Joe Girard and buddy and Jim Bay, Jamie Beheim, like, no one's expecting them to be like defensive stoppers. Like, I mean, no. obviously, and, and they don't have to be. Um, now, I never was a fan of Dolezal, but like, or Dolezal, however you pronounce his name, but like they did, I think it's like the back half of that zone is you, you worry. Like, usually, look, they're going to have, there's, there's that transition. Like, Swider is now there, like, Swider coming in from, um, from, from Villanova. Like, 
it's a lot of new pieces. And then the returning pieces that you have are not like your, your, your big defensive studs. So it, it is like, the, but the difference is I, I don't think any of us would ever predict them to be unbelievable regular season team. The problem is like when you get into the ACC tournament and you get in the NCAA tournament and you have a quick one day, two day turnaround to try and prep for that zone and you're not prepared for it. That's when you sneak up on teams. So like, I don't, I'm not cha- I still think they're a tournament team. I think when they get in the tournament, they can like their first round game, they're probably going to be against a lesser, obviously a much, much lesser opponent or, or, or so. Um, and then the second round team, like they can easily, I think, pull an upset on anybody because they can get hot. All, they have three guys that can just get hot from anywhere. And the other team, like it's harder to prep for the zone. So like, I, it's one of these weird things with Syracuse that like, I, I, not to the regular season's a wash. Obviously, they have to have the whole regular season to get in and everything. But it's it's not. No, I don't think anything they do, unless they just start being like a lockdown defensive team completely, is going to change my opinion of them overall. Um, yeah, I'm a, you know what they do. Little, have, they've got a know. tough schedule coming up. They do. They play VCU, um, and then they play Indiana. They have Florida State early as their early ACC game, and they get they play Villanova and then Georgetown. So they've got a tough stretch coming up. Are people going to pan if they? I don't. I think they beat VCU, uh, no, no issue. But if they lose to Indiana, Florida State, and Villanova, and they lose three in a row, dude, um, I'm saying this is Panic the most. Central. This is the most important uh, non-conference schedule for the ACC in a long time. Like these games are all going to matter because the ACC is just not that good this year. They aren't, man. They really aren't. So you know all those wins that against like you know what you would expect to be like top seventy-five teams, like the Georgia Techs, the Pittsburgh, like the middle of the road kind of ACC teams that you counted on for like counting as a good win. Like that's just not the case anymore. This started last year, like Georgia Tech won the ACC tournament and they were an eight seed. Yeah. Like, and lost them for now. Grand they're like ACC player of the year there. And there was play, didn't play in that game, but yeah. like when, and could you ever imagine that winning? And, and I know obviously Georgia tech was like a bubble team before them, but like winning the ACC tournament wouldn't even get you a seven seed, six seed, anything like that. Like, it's not the same. You've got the top of teams like Florida state looks really good. Um, or, I say that like Florida state is what Florida state is, is kind of always, a yeah. they're every always year. Um, they, they lost to Florida, which is scary. Like I said, they're not as, and they, they haven't looked awesome, but I also have like less doubts about Florida state than, um, than Virginia or Syracuse or um, even some of these other teams, but um, it'll be interesting to see. Last, well, last thing, yeah, I, I did want to bring up um, one, and we can finish on Ohio just because yes, that's uh, on Ohio. We, we did see him in 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 um, in person, but the only other team I did want to uh, want to bring up was was George Mason, um, and yeah. absolutely, I, I just want to get ahead. I don't say ahead of everyone, um, but Kim English is going to be a Power Five coach a lot sooner than people think. And I think he's going to be a, like a big, big, big time coach a lot sooner than people might, might assume yep. because they say so open the season four. No, they had a tough loss at James Madison on Friday night um, at the buzzer. They won at Maryland in college park mm-hmm. um, Wednesday night, 71 to 66. They blew out like their first games. They played Stony Brook, Penn, Morgan state, like Stony Brook is supposed to be um, top half of their conference. Penn is supposed to be competitive in the Ivy, even Morgan State. They won 74-52, 87-66, 90-53. to 
all of them by at least 21 points. And I think I read a stat that under Dave Paulson, that they had not in, I think what, five, six years of Dave Paulson was there. They had nine games. They won by 20 points or more. And then their first, like Kim English is three for three so far and just blowing guys out. Um, the thing that's most impressive for me with them, obviously winning at Maryland is stuff. Like, I think we're, we're not necessarily a pro Maryland podcast anyways, but like George yeah. Mason, honestly has been pretty poor. Like I'm looking back the years, even going back like when Dave Paulson, like the luck, it's not everyone that everyone knows the name George Mason um, because of the final four run, but like Paul Hewitt did not do well. there, got fired in his last year. They're nine and 22. And then Dave Paulson's first year, 11 and 21. And then they, they did go 20 and 14. I'll give them a little credit for that. 17. They went 16 and 17. They've been 18 and 15. They've been mediocre though in the Atlantic 10. Now, obviously it's a long season, but what I think Kim English done, I'm watching and obviously got a personal connection here. Shout out to, to Jacob bears doing unreal stuff on the content side, but Kim English gets it and watching, they, they put out a ton of content. I really recommend people go watch Instagram, Twitter, like all their practice content, all their training stuff, watching how he coaches these guys. I mean, how old Paul, you said he's 32, 33, maybe young Kim English. Yeah. Super, super like, young. Yeah. And so he gets it. Like he can still get out there and play with these guys. Yep. Um, he's super 33. young. 33 and these guys obviously like they they've bought in now they do have, they have another tough stretch they got to play washington yep. I, not that washington's an unbelievable team they play washington and they play nevada they're they're out in in south dakota right now and then they'll play south dakota state um before they come back and and they've got some teams but it's just it's awesome to watch something honestly from the it's almost building it from the ground up i don't want to say that because george mason has had this history but you have to look at it as yeah that that like George Mason, the 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 luster and the allure that that Coach Larinaga had built there, it had pretty much gone away. And for a guy to come in and build this up, awesome, awesome, awesome to see what he's doing. Um, and I'll give him a shout out. He in his press conference after they lost to JMU, this guy was not afraid to come out and say he he goes. I, most of you guys know like JMU can't play in their conference tournament. He's like, I think that's absolute trash. Like Good for him. When do you when you hear coaches come out and say that's trash and like. He's he's he, he speaks so well, obviously, to his, his team, getting them to buy in, and then also just speaking about the programming. What's the what's the program just to be? So, so um, confident, just exuding confidence. Absolutely, and, and, and so I, I don't think honestly, I don't think he's going to be a George Mason very long because I think if people are watching this, uh, and and he gets it. I mean, literally bringing in someone to literally whose whole job, shouting Jacob is recruiting and, and the content and, and, and visual social media, all that stuff. And gets like, all right, what, what, what Duke has done with the brotherhood and like was building that brand. It's like, yeah, one of the first like hires and early on, it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to build up this. Uh, we're going to build up this background um, in, in the program and we're going to, uh, to get people and, and, uh, and join again and, and not saying they're winning the A-10, but it, it is, it's been awesome to see um, one them to start four and O and then two, just the, 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 the content has been put out of Kim English in action. Um, yeah. I, I think he's going to be an absolute stud in, in the, in, in the, in the industry here for, for a long time. Yeah. All right. Let's end with the Bobcats, man. Um, you know, they had an exhibition win over Capitol. They beat Belmont, Cleveland State, and Robert Morris. Three good wins, you know. Cleveland State picked a win. Uh, Belmont much bigger than people I think ex- I think they yeah. might be. Like, Belmont they, had everyone back from a team last year that went, I think they – what's what, what was their – they went 26-4 and four last year, Belmont yeah. did. 
So, I mean, just an unbelievable start to the year. Like, Bowles has these guys playing really well. Um, BVP is just unbelievable. He's even better to watch in person. Like, you want to talk about somebody that exudes confidence. Like, this dude is unbelievable. Um, and, it, God, if freaking Preston came back. But, like, even without him, you know, like, there, it's just a really good team. Like, Sears is kind of coming into his own. You know, obviously yep. – and I don't mean this to sound Jason, yeah. disrespect. Like there's a drop off, obviously, but like Sears he's, is doing he's not Jason thing. Preston, but he's yeah, he's he's taken the leap. I, I don't say taking a leap. Last year when I when Sears came in, I thought at times he looked kind of jumpy, like he was trying to like yeah, a little, he was yeah. playing a little too quick, like he's trying to be the energizer, but but now I thought what I was impressed with was he seems much more in control, comfortable, like getting the ball around to different guys, like because you've got two guys. I mean with um Vanderplas and with Carter that are both very similar players that will get you literally 17 18 and 10 every night and so as a yeah, point Carter. guard being able to get them each the ball too and and also make sure your shooters are being fed getting in your own like he was averaging 20 points a game in, like in the first three games himself yep. so yeah I love the fact that they kind of have like a three-headed monster obviously with Sears BVP and Carter averaging double digits I think how far this team will go which you know this isn't a profound statement is like all right like what did like four five and six do production wise like can Ben yep. Roderick be more consistent you know sometimes he plays 25 minutes other times he plays 12 like where do we see him in the rotation um and where do those like newcomers fit in and how yep. how quickly do they get good Roderick McDay and Brown, like those, those guys have to be able to be ready, shoot the ball, especially when you're dumping the ball into the post so much. I think we both talked about how good both BVP and Jason Carter are getting to their spots, like oh. wherever they want to get, like they're taking it short corner and they're getting to the middle of the paint um, against guys that are bigger, more athletic and, and whatever they wanted. Now also they've got Dwight Wilson coming back in January. That was the starting five man against the team last year, the beat Virginia. Now that's a big dude. So I don't know. Can you shift BVP to the three? He's been shooting the lights out like defensively. Um, I think you can in certain situations, um, but they have the depth. And, and the biggest thing, like, like we said, going in, they after I think last year played a massive part of showing, hey, no, we can do this. Now they're playing with so much confidence. It's not, hey, we're not the underdog. It's no, like we know we belong here. And mm -hmm. they're showing that they've got a lot to pick up defensively. I mean, they're not great and um, they haven't been great defensively. And I think they got exposed a few times there against Kentucky, especially in the, in the second half. Yep. But looking at their schedule, I mean, they got Mount St. Mary's, Concordia. They'll go at LSU on December 1st. And then the rest of their games, like they're playing, they play they Stetson on the road. It's probably their next toughest non-conference to get Marshall, USC Upstate before they get to, to Mac play. And there's some good teams in the Mac right now. I mean, Buffalo is – 81st in Ken Palm, Akron almost knocked out um, Ohio State. Kent State is is solid. Like it'll be a, a really really good season, but I think they're they're in a um, they're in they're in a good spot right now, and they're playing um, they're playing even better than I think people even hope them to be. So yep. um, awesome awesome team to watch. Um, and if you're obviously if you're not in Ohio, um, like we are, it's still highly recommended. It's a really really fun team, yeah, uh, and a fun brand of basketball to to be able to watch all right well that's episode 91 we're gonna get into a good rhythm here um ian and i both had some crazy weeks over the past couple uh but we're gonna get into good rhythm like every sunday release monday kind of like we did last year um but we will not hear you will not hear from us before turkey day so have a good thanksgiving enjoy feast week 
just the greatest name. Um, we got some awesome games coming up. And then, yeah, yeah, like I said, Duke show comes to town, Columbus. I will be obviously repping uh, Duke head to toe, which I can't wait for. I mean, if you want to talk about just relish the moment. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's not many yet. Is that I can't I, wait. is that spread out? You think I would love to. It's see not that. yet. Um, I can look at what the Ken Palm projection is for for Duke Ohio State. It is right now. It has um, it has a projection has Ohio State winning seventy two seventy one. Um, That's wild. So it'll probably it'll be a, it'll be and and typically you get two or three points for being the home team. Obviously in that situation, so it'll probably be it'll be in a, a close tight tight looking game. But um, yeah, I mean we get. Um, we get some really we get some really good matchups coming. Obviously, I say before then even Gonzaga Duke. Gonzaga Duke. Um, we get. I, I'm looking at some of these others. Obviously, even on on Thursdays, not as much, but even another one low key um, is. I want to point out Wednesday is Memphis of Virginia Tech. Um, Memphis yeah. Virginia Tech, and another reason why I love that so much. Landers Nolly at Memphis transfer from Virginia Tech played his first year at Virginia Tech. Um, was a really, really good player for them. Transferred. I love those matches. You get to see teams playing their uh, guys playing against their old teams, especially now in this in this transfer era. So, yeah, um, enjoy no the enjoy the holiday. Spending time with family. Be safe. And uh, that's it. You got it. Paul. Keep well, no, you the ball bouncing. There we go. Deuces. Lately, I've been feeling like this. Is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, lust, rust, souls up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.